Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Today's podcast reminds me of a scrap quilt, kind of just like a random assortment of things we're pulling together to make up one show. We have a more technical talk about basting your quilt. Yes, I know it's not the most exciting topic. Basting is actually a topic I don't like to think about often, but it's a necessary evil in my quilting life. So I'm hoping some of the pros and cons we share about different basting methods and techniques help others who feel the same as me. Then we move on to an emotional story of a quilt shop who had to pivot their business during the pandemic. And then, just for fun, we chat about using a rolling cart in your sewing space and what one member of our staff is working on. It's going to be a wild ride, so let's dive in. Basting is an important step in the quilting process. Basting carefully will result in beautifully finished quilts without puckers, bumps, folds, or wrinkles. It also makes the quilting process easier. The problem is, Basting is often one of the most tedious and difficult parts of the process, so it's a step many of us, myself included, might not do as carefully as we should. Before we get into the weeds, I wanted to define basting for those who may not know this term. Basting is a way to temporarily hold the three layers of the quilt together. This is the backing, the batting, and the quilt top, so that you can quilt it without the layers falling apart or shifting. Many times quilters refer to these three layers as a quilt sandwich. I'm going to chat about three ways to baste your quilt sandwich, but no matter what method you choose, you have to create the quilt sandwich first. And we promise it's not as easy as making yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's a little more difficult as many quilters can attest to. So first, let's talk about how to make your quilt sandwich to keep all the layers smooth. You'll want to assemble your layers on a large hard surface like the floor or a table. Some people do it on carpeted areas, but we find that process to be a little harder to keep the layers perfectly flat and smooth. You want to lay your backing fabric right side down so the pretty side of the fabric is facing the floor or the table. Now you want to securely hold the backing layer in place. You can do this by using painter's tape or masking tape to secure the edges of the quilt. To do this, tape down the edges of one side of your backing. Once one side is secure, do the opposite side, pulling the backing taut, but making sure you're not stretching it too much and then you'll repeat with the other two sides. If you don't want to use tape, you can use paper weights or other heavy items on the outside of the quilt. Or if you're working on a table, you can secure the backing to the table using small plastic clamps. They're sometimes called grips. You can find these easily on Amazon or at a home improvement store. Next, you'll lay your batting on top of your backing. If you haven't already, trim the batting to size, 
we suggest that the batting be slightly smaller than the size of your backing, just so that you can see all three layers clearly. You wanna smooth the batting out and get rid of any wrinkles using your hand. You don't want to pull or stretch the batting too much because it will distort or it can become thin in certain places. You don't need to tape the batting layer in place, but if you're using paperweights or clamps, it doesn't hurt to add a few more just to secure everything. Now, it's time to add your quilt top right side up. Depending on the size of your quilt, you may want to roll the quilt top into a tube or fold the quilt top into quarters, just something that it's, makes it easier to position on the batting. Smooth the quilt top out using your hands, or if the quilt is really large, you can use like a, an acrylic ruler to smooth all the layers. Whew, that seems like a workout already, and it absolutely is. But that's only just the beginning of the work and there's a lot left to do. Now we start the actual basting process. And luckily, we have a few different options to choose from. Let's start with pin basting. Pin basting is probably the most common way to baste a quilt. It's time consuming, but it's a great choice for both large and small quilts. Using this method, you'll use a curved basting pin, which look like safety pins with a curve in the center. You can find these pins at your local quilt or craft store. And then when pin basting, you just pin all the layers of your quilt sandwich together. I personally like to start in the middle and work out so that I can make sure that all the layers stay smooth and I don't end up with a bump or excess fabric in the center of the quilt. You need a lot of pins for pin basting. The like general rule of thumb about it is that if you put your hand down on your quilt, you should hit at least one pin. So if you don't touch one, uh, it's time to add more. The pros of this method are that you can reuse the pins over and over again, which makes it a cheaper method. The cons are that it's time consuming and depending on what surface you have, you may end up hunched over on the floor basting for an extended period of time. Another popular method of basting is spray basting. You can find cans of spray based at your local quilt shop or crafting store. Basting spray is basically a repositional adhesive um, and it's specially formulated not to harm the fabric. So when I spray baste, I fold half of my quilt top and my quilt sandwich back and spray the wrong side of the quilt top, then fold it back down and smooth it out so that it sticks to the batting. Then I do the same with the other side of the quilt top. Then I carefully turn the quilt over and repeat this process to stick the backing fabric to the batting. There are some pros and cons to spray basting. Some pros are that it's quick and you don't have to worry about removing pins when you're machine quilting and you can do it on a design wall so you don't have to hunch over on the floor. Some cons are that you'll always have to buy more of it, so you'll need a new can every few quilts. Also, the fumes from the can are dangerous, 
so it's always recommended that you baste outside or in a well-ventilated area. And of course, you'll need to protect your floors from the spray by putting down something like newspapers. Otherwise, you'll have a little sticky floor. <laughs> Personally, I only use spray based when I'm making like table toppers or smaller projects like coasters. Since I find that the fabric still shifts slightly on me when I spray based and I'm quilting, I use this method only when I'm making smaller projects that I don't want to spend the time pin basting or where I'm only doing really minimal quilting, like straight lines, and that works great for me. If you plan to hand quilt your quilt, you may try hand basting, or sometimes it's called thread basting, which involves making long, loose stitches by hand to hold all the layers together. Especially if you plan to hoop your quilt when you're hand quilting, the thread basting stitches won't interfere with the hoop and it's easy to snip the threads as you come to them when you're hand quilting. When hand basting, you start stitching long stitches. They're about one to one and a half inches long uh, in the middle of your quilt and stitching outwards and then in the opposite direction and a lot of times uh, people will do like a grid design across their quilt so it's holding it in place in, in two directions. So this can be a helpful method if you prefer the relaxation of doing things by hand or maybe you're traveling and you don't want to bring so many tools with you or even if you want to use like leftover thread from your spools or bobbins. And there you have it. If you're not in love with the method of basting you're currently using, maybe you'll want to try another one we talked about today. It's all up to personal preference. Like I said, I've tried all of these ways. Um, and I think eventually you really fall into the method that works best for you. I've tried a lot of different basting products. Um, even I have tried a product in the past that was like a fusible batting. So once you have your quilt sandwich done, you can iron the layers and the fusible on the batting holds it together. So there's a lot of different products out there um, and I've even watched a lot of videos online about these amazing ways people have to baste their quilts and I keep coming back to the same way of doing it and just because you found a method that works it doesn't mean you're going to love basting all of a sudden it's still my least favorite part of the process but I get through it as best I can now we're going to take a quick ad break, but hang tight. When we come back, Doris will be sharing her chat she had with a local quilt shop about how they pivoted their business during the pandemic. Welcome back. Now I'm handing it over to Doris Brunette, the editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine for Love Your Local Quilt Shop, a segment where we share stories of local quilt shops serving their communities. Take it away, Doris. Okay, I am talking with Heidi Kaisen of Hen and Chicks Studio in Conrad, Iowa. They were featured as a top shop in fall winter 2019 quilt sampler. And good morning, Heidi. How are you? I'm great, Doris. Good morning to you. Great. I wanted to chat with you today um, about some of the things you've done um, at Hen and Chicks to pivot your business practices to power through the quarantine and 
reopening while the pandemic is still a threat in the state of Iowa. So um, you did close for a bit, right? Absolutely. We've actually closed twice uh, because of COVID. Um, We closed the first time for about six weeks. And the second time in July, we closed for a week. Okay. So, so yes, we have been open and closed and no COVID well. And I know you've taken some of your programs. Um, you moved to online to keep those going. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? I know you did your, um, is it uh bust your stash challenge that you moved online? Yes. yes. You know, the very first thing that I, that went through my head when, when COVID and the the threat of closing our store um, that was happening was how do I stay in front of our customers and continue to be a part of their creative world? I so didn't want to just disappear for them. And so there were um, several things that we did immediately. And uh, the first thing actually was we started playing bingo because it gave me a Yeah, it was. It gave me a daily opportunity to be in front of them, and it gave them something to look forward to daily. And we did that for the month of April. And I don't know that I knew the power of what that meant to me as well as what it meant to our customers. And the stories that I heard as the month of April went on continued to just really um, be very emotional for some of them because they, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't do other things. So that was, was really important. But one of the things that you mentioned was our Buster Stash Challenge. And that is something we do every month we give away a free pattern when you come into the store. Well, all of a sudden, when you can't come into the store to get that pattern, how does that look? And it took us a few days to get it figured out because the once you finish the top that we said that we have that was part of the free pattern. Mm-hmm. When you return it, then you get rewards that you can shop with. And again, we've always just done it in store. And so we didn't, we had to figure out how, how they could upload their finished tops so that we weren't constantly trying to find photos on Facebook. Like if they had, if they had just uploaded them on Facebook, I don't know how we would have found them all. So we found a program where um, we basically set up a form so that our customers can upload their photo of their finished stash buster and get the rewards immediately that they can then go shop online with. So it's a coupon code. Okay. And, and that has been unbelievable. They can now download the pattern for free um, on, on the website. So they start on the website to download the pattern. Then they can go back to the website to upload their finished top And then they can use their coupon code when shopping online. Now, since we've opened back up, we certainly still have people who are coming in to the store. And we love that because we love to see the projects that they're making. But it has allowed us to take a 
take a little project that we did in the store and just see it blossom well beyond the boundaries of Hen and Chick Studio in Conrad. We've, I mean, we now have people from coast to coast that are participating in the Stash Buster. That's really neat. That's very cool. New connection. And like you said, you needed a daily connection, something to do to keep you focused and connected with them. But it was so important for people that, especially the people that were stuck at home, maybe by themselves, people that live alone or just with their spouse and they don't have that contact. And, you know, we were literally stuck in our houses. So um, it's an important outlet to have and to take your mind off of the negative information that you're hearing in the news and all of that too. So what a great program. You know, one of the other things that we implemented um, immediately was that one of my staff members expressed concern about, um, you know, coming to work any longer, actually even before we closed um, because of health concerns of both her and her family. And of course, I, I would not, uh, would never want her to come to work physically into the store if that was a concern. And again, it took me 24 hours to, you know, have the light bulb go off, but she is wonderful on the phone. And so we have implemented a monthly calling list. Each month we focus on a different list of customers, depending on what the month is about. And the staff member simply calls and talks with that customer. Uh, maybe the, maybe she's telling them about something coming up, an event or something coming up at um, Hen and Chick Studio. But oh, that first month, it was it was a lot of listening, yeah, and you know just really hearing what their concerns were, and 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 that I think was something. Again, we we weren't necessarily getting um, sales out of it immediately. But long term, our customers know that um, that we genuinely care about them and that we're wanting to, wanting to know that they're okay too. Yeah, you're further building on those relationships that you already had with your customers. That is a really great idea. I love that. And even though everybody um, is you know has been out and about now for the most part, yeah. we're, st- we're still continuing the calling tree because or the calling list. Because it is interesting what relationships we're building. And again, we're changing up the list every month. So we have different reasons to call different people. Yeah, that is a really clever idea. I like that a lot. Um, Are there any other things that you've done um, with those examples? Maybe tell me a little bit more about your um, bingo challenge that you had going. How did did that work? Sure. Uh, So bingo, just like, just like, um, uh, any good bingo card. Uh, we had a bingo card, uh, and I chose. Uh, now I can't. What are there other twenty four bingo cards? I can't even remember now. It's been, it's been a couple of months. But each card had a task or a request of them, and so we flipped all the cards over, wrote the numbers, put the numbers in a jar, and literally. My daughters and I went live every day and we called a bingo number. So, you know, today was B10. So when I made the cards up and the tasks, I did, my goal was that they would have to do something on our um, Facebook group, post a picture, 
make a comment, show something they're working on. I mean, we had a whole list of things. And I had everything from finish a bed-sized quilt <laughs> to what are you having for supper tonight? Okay, so the gamut of everything. And we did not know in what order those cards would come up. Sure. And so it was as much of a surprise for us every day. We'd pull, okay, so today's B10. All right, so today's B10. Here is your task. I'm telling you, these ladies are the best. <laughs> and they made it their goal. I thought, I thought, you know, we'll have a few of them do a few of the things. Participate you know, yeah. that day and that sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, there were, we had, oh, I think we had well over 125 that were going for flat out blackout bingo. And that means they were going to do every single card because then their name got put into a drawing for um, some prizes. And anyway, that part was, you know, interesting. Looking back on that, it gave them something to purely to focus on. They didn't have to. If, if they, they were basically like, well, Heidi says I have to finish a bed-sized quilt. <laughs> okay, I'm going to finish a bed-sized quilt. Where in my, in my room you know, where, where's my UFO right. and how am I going to get that out and get it done? Yeah. You know, so, so that part was really interesting. We did a scavenger hunt in the month of May and that too was interesting. We tried to make it more about the stories and so that people could get to know each other more anyway. It, and it was fun too, but yeah, it was, um, it, it became really fun. And my daughters, uh, because they had no school, they were home and pretty much, um, from the end of March, all of April through about May 3rd, <laughs> it was just, um, Goldie, Virginia and myself in the store handling everything. And, uh, they became an integral part of that as well, which, um, I loved and so did they. So, I'll bet, yeah, something for them to do to uh, fight that boredom of being at home all of the time. So, yes, yeah, yes, those are really clever ideas. And then I know that you mentioned to me before that you took place in the shopping or took part in the shopping night in America. Um, and I know a yes. lot of other stores have done that too, that um, the Facebook Live has become an important um, factor in keeping business going and relationships with your customers going through this time. Mm -hmm. Again, when that idea was thrown out in front of me that you would go, the, the very first time we did it, uh, it was three hours. That suggested three hours. Let me, oh my gosh, it was a long three hours. I started telling jokes and that you do not want me to start telling jokes because my car is very limited. But the concept of what Shopping Night in America was, was again, getting out in front of your customers and connecting with them. And we did that weekly through um, the end of July. We did it every week. We changed the nights a little bit each month. Um, and then we took a break in August and we've come back now. We're doing it the first Monday of the month through the rest of the year for sure. So we just did it on, on Labor Day, Monday night. Okay. and. And again, it was, there's so many benefits from it, uh, not just in sales, but in those connections of what people 
um, are doing, you know, they're saying we're better entertainment than some TV shows, which of course <laughs> cracked me up and cracked my daughters up because we're just, we're just uh, trying to have fun and inspire people, show people different ideas. We found, we have found that we have a lot of um, closet watchers. Like they're not commenting, they're not participating in any of the discussion, but they're watching and they're coming into the store or calling at a later date and saying, hey, I saw you show that or you talked about this and the value and, and even Monday night. So we'd had a month off, you know, yes, we're promoting that we're back on the air, but mm -hmm. the, the viewership during the event isn't huge in terms of, I mean, I think at one point I saw close to 50 people live on with us, but the reach well beyond that, that actual hour, and we only do it for one hour now, and that's, that's yeah, funny. Time limit, right? <laughs> yeah, but I even download the video and upload it into YouTube, and then I post that YouTube video on our website. Oh, okay. So it's, um, there's, you know, different opportunity for people to go back and watch that if they want to. Okay. Yeah, that's really great. Well, I appreciate you sharing these ideas with me. I know that um, I've heard similar stories from other quilt shop owners um, that I've talked to over the past few months. Um, a lot of them were surprised by the success that they've had with their business um, during the months of quarantine and since reopening. And a lot of the creative ideas like you've shared here um, is what has gotten them through. So I really appreciate you sharing that with our customers. I think they'll find it interesting and other quilt shops will find it interesting to hear some of the things you've been doing too. Well, thank you, Doris. It's fun. We've had a good time and I always enjoy sharing with others. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Doris. We'll link to the shop in our show notes so that you can check them out and support them. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when the show comes back, we're going to talk about the magic of adding a rolling cart to your sewing room. Welcome back. I'm here with Elizabeth Stumbo, the art director of American Patchwork and Quilting for Get Organized, a segment where we give storage tips for your sewing space. Today, we're talking about the magical rolling cart. <laughs> That's right, Lindsay. It is very magical. <laughs> um, you can find rolling carts at almost every home decor store or craft store. Rolling carts are definitely having a moment right now in the sewing world and for good reason. They're stylish, they don't take up tons of space, they're portable, and they're so easy to alter to really fit your needs. And that's what we want to talk about today. So we know that every sewing space is different and every quilter is different. So we have a few ideas for upgrading a basic rolling cart to fit your needs. We're partial to metal carts since they have the added bonus of being magnetic, which really expands the options for your customizations. Like for example, you can hang small magnetic hooks along an edge of the cart to keep your most used items like scissors, rotary cutters, or small rulers close at hand. There are a few other add-ons to consider for your rolling cart too. You can secure small baskets to the sides of the cart with zip ties 
to give yourself some extra storage for things like fabrics or bottles of spray. You can even corral smaller items like marking tools or scissors into mason jars and then setting them into the baskets. Another idea is to stretch a bungee cord between the cart's legs to hang a roll of freezer paper, fusible web, or interfacing from. You just unroll the amount you need for your project and cut it off from the secured roll. I love these little hacks. Like it's things you probably just have lying around your house. <laughs> That's right. I'm sure I have a couple bungee cords in my basement right now. <laughs> yep. So many rolling carts have at least one shelf. So if you plan to stack loose items on the shelf, like say die cuts, you can consider adding some non-slip bookends to the shelf to hold things upright. You can also get magazine file folders and some pretty colors to place loose items that don't stand upright very well, like acrylic templates or packages of battings and fusibles. One other fun idea for personalizing your rolling cart is to add a pressing board to the top of it. Now, this might not work on all styles of rolling carts, but if yours has a flat top shelf, you can make your own pressing board by wrapping a piece of plywood with three layers of Insulbrite batting and a layer of cotton fabric on top. This is where you can get really creative and pick a fabric that matches the rest of your decor. Simply use a staple gun to adhere all the layers to the backside of the plywood. You can even add Velcro straps to the pressing board so you can safely secure it tightly to the top of your rolling cart, but then you can also remove it if you need the shelf for storage later on. Just add a mini or travel size iron and you have a portable ironing station that you can easily wheel around your space. I love that. I think now that winter is coming, a rolling cart could be really handy if you want to work on projects in your living room while you're watching a holiday movie with your family. Or if you have some of your works in progress stored in the rolling cart, you can just roll the mess into a closet when guests come over. That's such a good idea. <laughs> I love hiding things away in closets. Me too. <laughs> yep. And rolling carts are perfect for those multi-purpose rooms in your house. So if your sewing room is also your home office like mine is, you can dedicate some of the shelves or drawers for business use, and then the rest of it can be for quilting storage. Be sure to add labels to your drawers so you can stay organized. And if you're looking for customizable labels, we will leave a link in our show notes to some absolutely adorable sewing themed labels that you can download and print from our website. And we featured some of these ideas we've discussed today in our October issue of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine. And I personally had so much fun brainstorming ways to customize this rolling cart and also make it just super functional for quilters. We hope you are inspired to try some of these ideas as well. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. Thank you. Now I get the pleasure of doing What's on Your Workspace, a segment where a member of our staff shares a fun project they're working on. I just recently finished a quilt that got so many questions and interest when I posted it on my Instagram account that I wanted to share it with our listeners too. Back in January, I decided to cut all of my scraps into two and a half inch squares. I was feeling overwhelmed with my scrap bin and had so many different size scraps that I didn't even know where to begin using them. I figured that there were a ton of patterns that used two and a half inch 
squares. Uh, so eventually I would come across one that I loved and that would help make a big dent in my scraps. I spent months searching and in April finally found a pattern by Jessica Quilter on Instagram. It's a free pattern she posted called Scrap Busting Nine Patch. And like the pattern implies, it's a nine patch block you put together with your color scraps, light scraps, and a dark center. I already had all of my scraps sorted by color, so decided to make mine in a rainbow style. I ended up making 189 patch blocks that make up a large throw. It starts with red in one of the top corners and ends with pink in a bottom corner and in between moves through all of the colors of the rainbow. Uh, I did the math and that's uh, 1,620 scrap squares that I used. And I also made a pieced backing that used 164 more scrap squares in just the backing and the label, which is so many scraps. Uh, but don't worry, I still have a significant amount, uh, so I'll be on the lookout for another project. But it's one of the most beautiful and happy quilts I've ever made, and I love looking back on all the fabrics that I've used in other quilts that have found their way into this quilt. Uh, in our household, we even like to play a fun game called Spot How Many Cat Fabrics You Can Find. We're big fans of our cat, Harvey, and I never knew how many cat fabrics I owned until this quilt was put together and I can see them all in one quilt. <laughs> I'll link to the pattern in the show notes so that you can check it out if you are in, in the search for a pattern that uses scraps. Before we leave today, I wanted to share a fun opportunity to all of our podcast listeners. In the middle of October, we're doing a podcast show about which quilting rules you're allowed to break. We'd love to hear the quilting rules you never follow, whether it's serious or a little tongue-in-cheek, so that we can share it on that podcast. So if you'd like to share, please call and leave us a voicemail at 515-257-6870. You can also email us your story or a voice memo at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Have a great week.